Welcome to the I Love Winnipeg Real Estate Podcast, your premier resource for buying, owning, and investing in Winnipeg's real estate market. And now, here's your host, Adrian Schultz, who loves all things real estate, property management, and mortgage financing. I'm joined today by Steve Snyder, who is with Yes in My Backyard, Winnipeg. Uh, welcome, Stephen. Thank you for having me. And, you know, uh, we chatted about this before. And, and you mentioned not to call you Stephen, so my apologies in advance. I am not upset and I am not your mother. Oh, excellent. Uh, Steve, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization? Yeah, for sure. I'm a Winnipeg local who lived in Winnipeg but moved away to Brisbane, Australia for work. While I was there, I realized that the real estate market over there is a lot different than it is over here. And I tried to figure out why. There was a lot of development happening on main streets, uh, houses getting converted into duplexes and adding commercial units and things like that to many single-family residents. And I didn't realize that there was so many problems with residential development in Winnipeg. So when I returned, I tried to research a bit more and I found out about this group, Yimby Winnipeg or Yes in My Backyard Winnipeg. So I joined. The group is made up mostly of people concerned about real estate in Winnipeg and the restrictions that are placed on property, like zoning and things like that, setbacks and side yards and all those sorts of things that people don't really understand when it comes to residential properties. So the group includes people like developers and planners, architects, real estate agents and financiers. And after I got back, I joined and I'm, now I'm the treasurer. So, Well, what a fitting guest to have on a show that is called I Love Winnipeg Real Estate. So thanks for being here. Thank you very much. How do our land use and urban development policies compare to Canadian cities of similar size? So many of the other cities in Canada are talking about something called missing middle housing, which is anything from an addition to your single family residence to a granny suite or, or secondary suite to 10 plus units of building. We tend to find that those are the things that the small scale developers and the smaller, more mature neighborhoods need, but they only get either a single family residence or big spanking new apartments and there's never anything in the middle. So a lot of places like Vancouver and Kitchener are starting to allow things legally by uh, allowing granny flats just by right. You can build a second unit on your property as long as it's a secondary building or secondary suite. So um, like a basement suite or a attic suite type of thing. And Edmonton, in particular, we're really proud of. They've completely done away with single-family zoning. So if you own a lot that has a single-family dwelling on it, you can, by right, build a duplex on that lot. Now, would this stop some of the suburban sprawling that we have happening in the city where we're basically building housing developments on what would be farmland because our in-city or our, our urban policies do not permit more units? Yes, definitely will. So some of the people in, in our group, they, they've come about it from a climate lens where 
They don't want the urban sprawl where everybody has to drive. Some of them come from an equity lens where they want more affordable units and adding more units to a, a smaller lot means that it can uh, be more affordable. You can kind of uh, parse out the, the land costs into all of the different units. I come from a property rights lens. I don't understand why if more people want to live in a per- certain area, we can't build more in that area. That's where I come from. And all of those things are, are the case with our current development pattern and our current rules that basically force us to do that sort of development. I have a bit of a vested interest um, in our discussion. We actually own some investment properties in what would be considered high-density areas, and we purchase those investment properties with the long-term intention of doubling or tripling their unit count because it just makes sense. And the interesting roadblocks that we've hit along the way is well probably the most popular one that people hit is the, is the parking ratio and and be it in in Osborne Village or in Crescentwood or Wolseley or St Boniface where where the, the the properties will be situated in a way that you don't even need to have a car or you could use shared car services buses bikes etc and it's interesting how restrictive infill or, or redevelopment of single family or even multifamily properties can be that really restricts your ability. But also, like, there's a lot of people that want to live in these areas that can't because of our restrictions. So I'm, I'm glad to be chatting with you today. Adrian, yes. Uh, you know what? A lot of our members say the exact same thing. They all want to do similar things with their property investments that I myself, I want to build a granny flat in my back because my mother was recently diagnosed with cancer. I want to be able to have her close to home, but she still needs her private space. And I am hitting roadblock after roadblock, Adrian. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the same if we could easily get on a plane right now and jump over to some uh, European countries, I know, yes, I'm originally from Germany. And when I go there, you can go into almost any one of my family's homes and there will be a, I, we call them granny suites here. Yeah, I don't know what the official name for it is there, but it's just so logical that as our families age, that we have the ability to take care of them within our own homes, but they still need to have the ability to live their own life. It, yeah, what it is. So I, I'm, I appreciate what you're doing and, and thank you for what you're, what you're doing. Uh, anything to bring attention to the, the issue, Adrian, for sure. What impact do our current policies have on infill housing development? Well, we, we actually just finished going over quite a few of my talking points for this one. So the current development guidelines and the policies and the bylaws that are in place, they make even the smallest projects, like in addition to your house or granny flats or, or moving to a duplex, so much harder. They're subject to these Byzantine systems that add impact fees or or permitting fees or reviews or public hearings that small-scale developers like you and I, like we just chatted about, um, they they can't do this. These mom-and-pop or owner-occupier landlords, they have a portfolio of maybe two, three, four rental properties, and they're loath to improve their property because it's next to impossible. So it basically forces those big developers on the suburban fringe to, to do those sorts of things. Now, I have nothing against people who want to live out on the suburban fringe. I actually really like Waverly West. I think that it's it's a good planned area. The town center is really nice, but we're forcing 
that sort of development and it is causing problems for the inner city neighborhoods. So if I wanted to buy a single family lot and try to redevelop it, it would be very difficult to get approvals for any of these sorts of things. Even a garage might require additional fees in public hearings, which is just unbelievable. So the biggest hindrance, uh, as we just talked about, was parking requirements of all. Many single family homes in mature neighborhoods are actually already on R2 lots. Basically, it says that you can already build a duplex on the lot, but because of the size of the lot and parking requirements, almost none can actually be redeveloped into duplexes simply because the buildable lot area is next to zero once you have all of the parking spaces on there. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, the Winnipeg Car Sharing Co-op is one of the most successful in Canada of its kind. Are you in your group of people that are part of the organization? Is car sharing and public transit a significant part of the discussions to move the policies forward? Definitely. We're looking at the new Transit Master Plan And it looks like they're moving to a lot more high frequency along major corridors style instead of the hub and spoke feeder route type of style that they've had recently. And honestly, some of those things have been on the record for countless years and they definitely need an update. And car co-op, from what I've heard, some regulation might happen where car co-op becomes a avenue to reduce parking minimums to a lot. I know that there's a couple places in the south end of the city where they've added six, eight, ten units, and they said, oh, we're going to be supplying a car share car for people in this building. And here's a signed letter from Peg City Car Co-op. Um, I think that that organization is great. As soon as they bring some cars a little further to the north, I will be getting rid of my vehicle and I'll be becoming a member. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, and I, you know, some of my friends mock me for always, uh, you know, saying how things in Europe or Germany are, are different or sometimes better and and maybe I put it wrongly, but I'm reminded of when you go on vacation there, you can get off the airplane get on the train, go to the town that you're going to, and then take a bus to your family members. So you don't have to rent a car. You don't need someone to give you a ride. And and then you talk to people there, and that's how they live their life. They use public transit, and it gets them to where they need to be. I guess our problem is we just have so much more space that's difficult to service with the public transportation systems. That's probably the challenge on that side. For sure, for sure, Adrian. How could the city improve our infill and land use policies? The number one thing that the city can do, uh, and this is the position of UMB Winnipeg for sure, is get rid of parking minimums. Quite often, over half of the buildable area of a lot is dedicated to parking, especially on the bigger, the bigger properties like the apartment buildings and whatnot. So if we get rid of those parking minimum requirements, it would save greatly the amount of money that needs to uh, go into a project. It drives up the cost of land and building anything on that land. Uh, As a matter of fact, Yimby Winnipeg is putting on an event where we are talking about parking minimums up in the uh, very recently or very soon. It will be taking place August 10th. We're going to be watching a video about parking minimums and how disastrous they are for cities. And then we're going to be discussing parking minimums in the city. And 
that you can get in touch with us through our Facebook group, Yimby Winnipeg or Yes in Winnipeg. Now, the the video that you're describing or the session, will it also, will there be a video link available that we could share with our listeners after the event? I believe the video is a public video on parking minimums. Okay. If you could share that with us, that would be great because I could post it along with the episode. Oh, for sure. That would be absolutely fantastic. The other thing, and this isn't the city, this is uh, provincial legislation, is implementing a land value tax. That is another thing that I think that is extremely important in making development in the city a little bit more viable. When you consider how land is taxed right now, you're taxing both the land and the improvement on the land, the building or anything else that might be uh, happening on the building or on the land. So if you move to a land value tax, you wouldn't tax those improvements. So it's more of an incentive to actually build on the land. When you think of it this way, we tax things like tobacco and things like alcohol so that people smoke less or drink less. But if we're taxing the improvements on the property, then people build less as well. That's an extremely important issue as well. You mentioned that you'd spent some time away from Winnipeg, but you obviously have returned. So would you share with us, what do you love about Winnipeg real estate? Oh, I moved back, as I said earlier in the episode, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. So that was part of the reason that I moved back. But we always wanted to move back. We moved away for opportunities that we had in in another city in Brisbane. Uh, And I moved back because just the city as a whole here, it's affordable, it's small, it's very neighborly. I love my particular neighborhood. I live in a mature neighborhood, Seven Oaks, and and I absolutely love it. Uh, When you compare it to bigger cities like Calgary or Vancouver or Toronto, where everything is so spaced out, where it takes you a full day just to get to the other side of the city. I find that Winnipeg is, is the perfect size, the perfect affordability, and just the perfect place in general. Steve, uh, how can people reach you or get involved with Yes In My Backyard Winnipeg? We have a somewhat active Facebook group in Yimby Winnipeg, Y-I-M-B-Y Winnipeg. You can do a Facebook search there. We also have a website where we mostly talk policy and um, advocacy to City Hall, and it is yes, yes in wpg.com. And uh, if, if you feel like being involved in this sort of thing, I highly recommend you sign up for the email newsletters because that that's typically how we, uh, we get in touch with our members. Steve, thanks so much for your time today. Adrian, thank you very much for your time. It sounds like uh, you'd be a perfect member for our group, actually. Yes, I, I, I will speak to you right after the episode about that. For sure. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the I Love Winnipeg Real Estate Podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and give us a rating, which will help us reach more listeners. Until next time, connect with us on social media and online at ilovewinnipegrealestate.ca. 